Welcome to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Coach Matt Elkin. Coach Elkin is the Director of Basketball Operations at Yale University. Coach, how's it going? Doing well, Dave. How are you doing, man? Doing all right. You want to give yourself a, a brief introduction to the listeners? Yeah, definitely. So, um... I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, um, went to college in the Midwest at the University of Wisconsin, and that's kind of where I got my start uh, with basketball and with coaching, and um, after I finished up in Madison, came back home to Boston, was was at Northeastern University for two years, uh, moved up north to the great state of Vermont, um, spent two years there at Vermont Academy, um, and then two years uh, on the other coast in Los Angeles. Uh, and then now uh, recently started at Yale University uh, in September of this year, 2020. Awesome. Now, you know, you grew up outside Boston. When did you fall in love with sports and what type of playing career did you have? Well, you know, I, I, I so I have an older brother. Uh, he's about four years older than me. Um, and it's just he and I in our in our house with my parents. And I think I kind of just started fallen in love with sports in general. You know, my brother and I, we both played, um, we played baseball, we played soccer, we played basketball, um, and just kind of loved sports. And it was a great way to make friends. And a lot of my friends were doing it and, and uh, just enjoyed, enjoyed competing. And, and it was a great way to meet people and have fun. So that I think I started playing sports in general at a, at a pretty young age, um, but really focused more in basketball I would say once I got to middle school and, you know, used to have a lot of battles with my older brother in our, in our driveway, we had a pretty uh, small driveway and on one side was, you know, one of the walls of our house and the other side was a, a chain fence that kind of separated our, our place from our neighbors um, in Boston, you know, we're in kind of tight quarters. So I learned uh, a lot in, in that driveway of, you know, couldn't really get, get around my brother. So I kind of had to learn to go through him. And uh, he was always older and bigger than me. So I, I learned the hard way most times more than not. But, uh, but yeah, you know, once, once I kind of got to, to middle school, then I started playing, playing hoops. And then I got to high school. Um, I went to Boston Latin High School. It's the oldest public school in the country. And it's a, uh, an incredible uh, high school with a lot of tradition, but not a tradition for really being a basketball powerhouse. Um, but started uh, as a, a young guy there. Um, on the freshman team and then worked my way up through JV up to varsity. Um, and then that's kind of where my playing career ended <laughs> after, after high school. Okay. You know, you go on to the university of Wisconsin, you know, uh, Madison campus. What, what made you want to attend there? Obviously it's not exactly down the road from Boston, uh, and what was the process like to become a manager there, a student assistant? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, for me, it was it was definitely out of, um, you know, the norm for, for me and a lot of my friends, especially at a public school in Boston. Not a lot of my friends um, were, were interested in leaving uh, the city uh, for a variety of reasons. I mean, there's a ton of great schools and, and colleges in Boston, um, you know, financial reasons. A lot of people had... Um, other things that that were kind of keeping them local to home, but uh, I was very lucky because my my dad, who grew up in New York City, 
had actually went to University of Wisconsin for for his undergraduate education and, and grad school as well. Ended up living in Madison after graduation, and and then my brother, who I mentioned, was a little bit older than me. Um, he also went to to University of Wisconsin. So I kind of grew up in a household where, you know, strangely we were watching Madison football games, basketball games, hockey games, and stuff, and it was kind of a sense of pride for me growing up that. I was cheering for this team that was was really successful in a lot of different sports um, outside of what most of my friends were kind of rooting for. And so that that's kind of where the love started for me with Madison. And, and then I had gotten a chance to visit my brother um, a couple of times when he was in school there and really just fell in love with the campus, with the you know sense of school pride that they had not only in Madison, but also just the you know the state of Wisconsin in general. Um, being such a, a college uh, sports uh, and some some pro sports, but you know a lot different than Boston, where people are really split up based on all the different schools. So, um, really, kind of as a sense of pride for me, and because I was very lucky to have the opportunity to to leave um, Boston uh, and with the support of my family, uh, went out to Madison, and you know after high school, when you know my I knew that I wasn't going to get a chance to play. Um, at that level, I wasn't quite the uh, the fit at the Big Ten <laughs> as a player. Um, you know, I wanted to start getting in coaching and I wanted to stay involved in the game and um, figure out other ways to, you know, keep the game of basketball close to me because I was falling in love with it and um, had reached out as a senior in high school to uh, the head manager at the time in Madison and um, just kind of reached out to him and said, hey, you know, I'm going to be enrolling as a student would love to, um, you know, find out what the process is like of becoming a manager for the Badgers. And I, you know, I had no idea if it was going to be easy, if it was going to be challenging, how, what that process was like. Um, and he was great. He just kind of, you know, said, Hey, when you get here to campus in the fall, let's connect. And, um, you know, I, I stayed in touch with him and, and then fast forward to my freshman year, I was on campus and, and, uh, got an opportunity to try out, um, at, at the time, at Wisconsin, there was, uh, as you can imagine, such a big school, almost 40,000 um, students. There was a lot of interest in, in being a basketball student manager, especially with the success of the program. And so uh, they had they had a, a tryout process. And so I, I went through that tryout process my freshman year and actually uh, didn't get it. And, and so, um, you know, I think a lot of people would maybe say, all right, well, maybe let's find a different direction. But I was really committed to pursuing basketball and coaching and, and learning how to get involved in the business. So um, I didn't let it break me. And I came back the next year, again, stayed in touch. Uh, we had, there was a new head manager, um, reached out to him. He invited me back to come back for tryouts and uh, came my second year and, and ended up uh, going through the process and getting offered an opportunity to be a student manager. That's awesome. You know, you served as a student manager uh, during the 2011-2012 season. You guys go 27-10, and 10, uh, ultimately fall to Syracuse in the Sweet 16. Do you remember what your first conversation or interaction with uh, Coach Ryan was? Um, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was probably somewhere in the office. Um spent, you know, I tried to spend as much time in the office as I could. Um, but because we had a large group of managers, I, th I think the year that I was there, we had about 16 managers. So we actually had a, a book that we had to sign in and out like hours. And, and we had to sign up for specific days that we wanted to come in and, and do office hours. But 
I just remember, um, you know, Coach Ryan's office being down at the end of the hall and um, being kind of in the common area. And there was a variety of random things that, that I was asked to do and cutting out newspaper articles and, you know, taping, taping out commercials from games and all different stuff. And I just kind of always remember, um, you know, having grown up watching Coach Ryan on TV as a, as a young kid in Boston, dreaming of, you know, being uh, in Madison. And, and then my first year at Wisconsin, you know, having to and watch the games from, from the stands and the TV and stuff like that, getting the, actually the chance to be in the office and just like kind of cross paths with him. It almost felt like he was a, like a celebrity. Didn't really feel like I was working with him or working for him. Um, I just remember that that was my initial reaction being there was kind of in shock and really disbelief that I was actually kind of breathing the same air as this guy, you know, oh, I can only imagine, you know, you also, uh, strangely enough, you know, you served as a head manager and student assistant at a school that you weren't technically a student at, <laughs> uh, you know, for two years, you're at division three Edgewood college, uh, also in Madison, Wisconsin, and you helped the team reach the, the NACC championship in 2014. How did that come about being a student assistant at a school you were not a student at? Yeah. So, um, you know, like, like I mentioned, Dave, we, when I was at Madison, we had um, a large crew of managers and people from a variety of backgrounds and, and kind of interest in the game of basketball. But one thing that, that I realized was that, you know, I really wanted to have a little more responsibility and I wanted to try to get involved. Um, and, and quite frankly, I, I don't think I was patient enough at that time as a 20 year old to understand the process of, you know, what it takes to work your way up on a, on a staff, even as a manager. And, you know, so, so kind of what happened was the, the Edgewood team had just gotten a new head coach, um, coach Justin Meyer. Um, and, he had been an assistant there, was just promoted to head coach, and, and this coincided with uh, my uh, entering my my junior year um, as a student at, at UW. And, and so Edgewood is just about five or ten minutes down the road from Madison, right near Camp Randall Stadium. Um, if anyone's familiar with with Madison, it's it's right down the road, and it's there's a lot of overlap between um, the students at Edgewood and the students in Madison. Uh, you know, it's they're all living in the same city, they're going out same places on the weekends and stuff like that. So I had basically just kind of reached out to coach Meyer and I knew that, you know, it was a division three school probably didn't have 16 student managers helping them out. And, and I thought, Hey, maybe there's, there's would be a great opportunity for me to get involved, a new head coach and, and maybe have some more responsibilities. And it was everything I could have uh, imagined and hoped for. And, and then some um, because being the manager there, I was one of one. We actually had one other um, guy who who had been a manager with the team also, and he kind of helped me get acclimated when I first started. He was a student at Edgewood. Um, but, you know, I, I was able to do a lot of other things too, Dave, like get involved in, um, you know, some a little bit of our recruiting, learn how to do some film breakdown, um, do some stuff on the court with our players, um, was able to, you know, kind of learn the process of film exchange and, and reaching out with other coaches in, in the Wisconsin area to, to get access to, to games so that we could scout opponents and just really um, was very involved uh, in the program in so many different facets. And it was just an incredible experience. And, and again, you know, while 
a lot of my friends were, you know, going out on weekends and, and doing their things uh, on campus and, you know, at Wisconsin was going down the road and to Edgewood and, um, you know, getting to help that program. And I thought it was, it was great experience. Um, and, you know, just in, invited some of my buddies from, from Madison to come to our games at Edgewood and stuff. And it was just a really cool um, opportunity for me to get involved at a school, which like you mentioned, I wasn't a student at, but was still able to help out in, in so many ways. And I don't, I don't think anybody necessarily knew that I wasn't a student at Edgewood other than uh, maybe the fact that I was always wearing my, my Badger gear every time I showed up uh, in the gym. <laughs> you know, you graduate from, uh, you know, Wisconsin at, 2014 and and after graduating you went on to become a a graduate manager at Northeastern were there any other opportunities that you have and how helpful was the Wisconsin staff with with that I know that you know you only spent one season with them but I'm sure just going to a division one school I'm sure that uh you know them getting contacted by a division one might have helped yeah, definitely. No, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the best way that I really um, was able to use um, that experience in, in my time in Madison was really just from the, some of the lessons that I learned both a, as a student uh, manager for the Badgers and also working um, at Edgewood with the Eagles and, um, you know, just learning, okay, well, how does a big time uh, high major division one program operate from the inside out? And how does a Division three program operate from the inside out? And all of those experiences um, from my time working in both places, I think that was really the biggest, um, the biggest thing that helped me along in my process of becoming, um, you know, that that graduate manager, graduate assistant spot at Northeastern. Um, but really, kind of how it went down was that when the the Final Four in 2014 was in Dallas, um, and I had gotten some advice from actually an assistant coach um, at the time at, at Edgewood, who's still at Edgewood um, and is a great friend of mine. He had told me to start looking into going to the final fours as a great networking tool and way to um, connect with coaches and, and learn a lot about the game and stuff like that. And so when I was there in 2014, um, I met coach Dave McLaughlin, who at the time was the associate head coach at Northeastern um, and as a guy from New England and, and is now the head coach at Dartmouth College. But he and I had connected at the Final Four, and I basically told him that, you know, I was interested in coming back home to Boston um, after graduating from, from UW-Madison and um, wanted to get involved with the basketball program at Northeastern and was applying for the graduate um, program in, in sports leadership. Uh, which is which is what I ended up uh, studying when I was at Northeastern. And so basically from that point, uh, he kind of said, you know, we don't really have graduate managers or grad assistants. Um, we certainly wouldn't be able to, you know, offer you a, a scholarship or a paid spot or anything like that. But if you get accepted and you can, you know, make the, make it work to, to be back home or whatever you want to do when you're back in Boston, we'd love to have you, you know, come in the office so we can figure out stuff for you to do. And that's kind of where it started. It really started from nothing. And I, you know, I made it work. I stayed at home. I lived in my basement um, and commuted, you know, took the train to, to Northeastern every day from my house in, in Boston. And, um, you know, and then I just started day one and, and I, tried to be the first guy in the office every day, tried to be the last guy to leave, tried to do whatever they needed me to do while uh, pursuing my master's degree and, and just had an incredible, incredible experience that, uh, you know, we can get into a little bit more there. 
you know, when you were at Northeastern, you guys had a guy from my neck of the woods, uh, Brandon Kamga. What was yep. he like as a freshman? I just remember Brandon was extremely strong and athletic. He was a really great kid. Um, didn't end up finishing his career at Northeastern, but he, you know, he and I spent some time getting um, some shots up and stuff in the gym and, and hanging out a little bit. I enjoyed being around Brandon and, um, you know, we, I was very, very lucky at Northeastern. We had some incredible coaches. We had some incredible players in, in my role as a, uh, you know, in grad school and helping out with the team again, not, not, like a, the size of a staff that we had at Wisconsin, there wasn't a ton of people outside of our coaching staff that was there supporting the guys. We had a, you know, a few managers. Um, and, and besides that, it was really like, I had a lot of opportunity to, to get to spend time with the guys and hang out with them both off the court and on the court. Um, and, and, you know, Brandon was one of the guys who definitely made use of my, um, my services on on the court in terms of rebounding getting workouts in and stuff like that and just you know I think that was what I tried to do with our guys as as a way to connect with them is you know just ask them if they needed help to rebound or be a passer or you really do anything to help them improve their game on the court and through that I think built up a lot of trust with with our guys and um, was able to to also build a lot of great relationships just through some of the small talk and conversations that we could have while you know while the ball is in, in in our hands and I think that's what a lot of coaches really love about coaching is just the way that we can use that basketball to connect with our players in a way that we probably wouldn't if we didn't have that ball in our hands uh, very true you know in your first year with the team they go 23 and 12 they capture the uh, colonial tournament title they make the NCAA tournament for the first time since like 91 I think since since I was in the womb, <laughs> exactly. I was I wasn't even born yet, and they were and they were cutting down the nets. <laughs> what was it like for the team? I know you had been a part of it at Wisconsin, obviously. What was it like for the team to hear Northeastern called on Selection Sunday? Oh man, it was it was incredible, man. It was uh, you know we were in in Cabot Gym, which was where we practice and, and play some of our games at, and. Um, I just remember, you know, walking in the setup, you know, all the, the chairs on the court, the, the big projector screen set up and, um, just like kind of looking around, we had some fans and, and other students and stuff in there and just like really being excited for them. And I mean, I was, don't get me wrong. I was extremely excited, but just excited for our players to get that experience. You know, everybody grows up watching, um, selection Sunday on TV and, you know, they, they, they show some of the, the teams when they're kind of got the camera set up and showing all the excitement and jubilation that they have when they finally hear their name called. And, you know, it, it's different when you know your name is going to get called when you're the, you know, the, the conference champion and you cut down those nets. I mean, that that's such an incredible experience. And then you know that your name is going to get called on that TV. You just don't know when. But the time when they actually say Northeastern Huskies and they tell you who your matchup is, it was just it was unbelievable, man. It's, it's something I'll never forget. Um, just the, just the excitement and the, um, j just that experience for those guys, you know, it was something really, really special and to get to spend that, um, with some of our, our fans in, in our home, uh, gym and where we practice every day and put that work into, to put ourselves in that position. Um, it was just really, really special. And then, you know, soon after that it was all right, let's time to get to work and start preparing for Notre Dame.
you know, in year two, the team wins 18 games. You guys had a, a road victory, knocking off 15th ranked Miami. What was the locker room like after that win? That was crazy too. That was um, that was the day after Thanksgiving. Um, we we had been down in Miami for for Thanksgiving, and um, you know, then the next day we're we're getting ready to play this this ranked team, this really exceptional team that had a couple pros on their roster. And, um, you know, it was, it was really incredible because uh, we had a kid, uh, a senior that year, year named Quincy Ford, who was from St. Petersburg. So he was kind of in his, in his backyard and um, he had a lot of friends and family there at that game. And he was actually able to hit the game winning shot um, for us. And, and that was, again, just, just a moment that you'll never forget just getting to, celebrate with that kid in his backyard um beating you know probably one of the teams that he felt maybe had overlooked him you know that I think that was one of the things Dave that coach Cohen had done such a phenomenal job and continues to do such a phenomenal job at um at Northeastern is he gets the kids that oftentimes get overlooked within their home state um such as Quincy in from the state of Florida and comes up to Northeastern and gets an opportunity to go back home and beat a ranked opponent on their home floor um, the day after Thanksgiving around his family and friends. And it was just, uh, again, it was remarkable. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of water being sprayed around in the locker room after, um, a, you know, a lot of clapping, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of laundry that, that I had to do after. <laughs> I can only imagine, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, work various camps. I know that, you know, as a manager and student assistant, even a GA, you know, you're in charge of helping to run camps at those schools. Were you able to be active on the camp circuit back then? Oh, yeah, yeah. I um, That was one of the ways that I spent most of my summers, honestly, whether that was when I was in college and, and beyond. Um, I traveled all over to work camps. And again, that was just some advice that um, – coaches and mentors of mine had given me is just working camps. And I know a lot of young coaches have heard that before. Um, but, you know, I, I worked everything from local camps. We had, we had an elite camp at Northeastern. I worked um, camp at Boston university. I worked day camp at, at Boston college. So I was working in my, in my backyard, um, Harvard elite camp, but I was also getting out of my comfort zone, kind of similar to what I did when I was in Madison. And so I worked camps at Xavier when Coach Mack was there. I worked camp at UConn, Coach Calhoun. Um, I worked camp um, at Maryland with Coach Turgeon um, and just really, you know, tried to work as many Division One camps as I could. But I also worked some other local camps like Hoop Mountain Basketball Camp, Red Auerbeck Basketball Camp, um, thing, things like that locally, too, to get kind of familiar with some of the players that were um, you know, up and coming within New England. And I just loved working camps because I loved being around the kids. Um, you know, I loved learning from the coaches that were on staff and getting to spend time after the day was over socially with them, hanging out and learning and, and talking X's and O's. And, and then also just loved being around the kids and loved learning from them and um, helping them improve. And, um, you know, as a young coach, it was great for me because I was teaching, but I was also learning at the same time. And I think again, another benefit of, of, you know, being around some great people is that you're always learning and, and you can then take some of those lessons and try to, you know, uh, impart those on others. But, but as much as you're teaching these young people, you're also learning not only from the coaches, but also from them. And, and so I learned a lot in my time getting to work those summer camps and I loved it. Matt, I definitely, I know that I speak for a lot of coaches really missed 
uh, being able to work camps this past summer due to COVID. I mean, it's a, it always re-energizes you, no matter how, how your season goes, if it doesn't go the way you, you hope for. You know, just teaching kids the game of basketball, getting to, you know, sit in the cafeteria and talk hoops with, you know, people in the business or guys who get it, uh, you know, definitely a great thing. You know, I don't think I've told the story on this podcast. You mentioned you worked the Maryland camp. I remember – and Coach Turgeon won't listen to this, so I'll go ahead and say it. <laughs> Where I don't even think I had the age group that his son was in, but apparently he, he pulls the dobo aside <laughs> and says, if my kid doesn't win a game this entire camp, because right now he hasn't, no staff is getting paid. <laughs> oh, boy. So did you have any kind of similar uh, experience with that, or was, was the kid on a better team that week? <laughs> No, I, um, you know, it's, it's funny, like all the coaches at different camps that you're at, you know, they, everybody's kind of jockeying to see who has the best record at the end of camp. And, you know, obviously you, you want to win games, but, uh, but sometimes the, the players that you get is out of your control. And I was definitely on the, uh, on the, the lower end of some of those teams and I was on the better end. And, uh, I can remember, uh, one year at a hoop mountain basketball camp at Roger Williams, uh, in Rhode Island, I, my team, uh, went five and zero, oh, and you know we won the the camp championship, and that was exciting. But I've also been you know on teams that didn't win a single game, whether that was you know at Babson basketball camp or um, you know I worked uh, Billy Donovan camp at University of Florida, and there was some some awesome coaches there at that camp. Some of them have gone on to become college head coaches that that I was working against, and you know again I was just this young guy you know, barely knew anything about the game. I just loved coaching and loved being around and tried to get the most out of those kids. But it, it's fun, man. Like you said, it's just, uh, it re- re-energizes you. Um, it, it, the other thing that's really cool is it's, it, it just helps you learn more about different coaches on different staffs and see different campuses and, um, you know, gives you a different perspective that I think you don't necessarily get if you're just kind of doing the same thing every summer. Um, and, and I, I loved getting that opportunity to, to check out different college campuses in different parts of the country. And um, again, a lot of the, the coaches that I got to either work with or work for at those camps, you know, are, are in different places now and been, been very lucky to get a chance to stay in touch with a lot of them and um, continue to, to grow really uh, meaningful relationships with a lot of the people I met during those summers. You know, you worked for some highly successful coaches. What were the similarities of those coaches and not necessarily the differences, but, you know, what was that common common thread that uh, each of them had? You know, I, I think I, all of the coaches that I've had a chance to work for um, at every level, um, you know, they've just had a really great knack for – hiring great people and surrounding themselves with great people, whether that's um, coaches on staff, support staff, um, and attracting great kids. I mean, I've, again, I've been very lucky every stop that I've been at to work at places where the, the types of young people that, um, that we attracted and brought in um, were the type of people that you wanted to be around every day. Um, and, and the coaches that I had a chance to work with, um, be on the road with, um, you know, late nights, early mornings, all that stuff. Those were the people that I wanted to be around and that I felt that I could learn the most from. And so, you know, it, it's not a coincidence that I also happen to be around a lot of winning programs because when you bring in the right type of people and surround yourself with the right staff, you're going to, you're going to see the results. And so, 
Um, you know, whether that was at Wisconsin, um, at Edgewood, you know, my time at Northeastern, um, Vermont Academy, uh, my time on the West Coast. I mean, all these places that I've been, uh, I've been very lucky to work around coaches that are concerned with, with the, the end result of the game and, and what, you know, what the score says at, at the end of the day, but more importantly, you know, what, what the, the kids and the young people that they're, they're getting a chance to, to be around, what, you know, what does the score at the end of their day look like? You know, what type of people are they going to be when it's all said and done? And, um, you know, I remember one, one lesson that I, that I pulled from uh, Coach Cohen in, in my time at Northeastern, which, which still resonates with me today. And it's a big part of my philosophy. He always said, earn the look, meaning, you know, when you, when you go out there and you give everything you got um, on the basketball floor, um, and you're going through that handshake line, you want that coach or those, the, those opposing players to, to look you in the eye and, and give you a firm handshake and just know that, that you earned that. You earned that, whether it's win or lose, that you left everything you could out on that floor because you competed your tail off. And I just remember him saying that, and it, you know, it immediately stuck with me um, that everything you do, whether it's in the game or whether it's in the classroom or just you know, when you're out and about, connecting with people in a variety of, of, of ways, you want to earn that look, you want to earn that respect um, from people because people know you're doing things the right way and you're, and you're leaving it all out there. Wow. That's great stuff. You know, you coach two years of SAC school. Who else was on staff during your time there? Did you enjoy teaching? And then also, you know, what, what led to you getting hired? Um, so my, my first year at Vermont Academy, we had, um, another assistant coach named Josh Cabrera. He is now the head coach at Moses Brown high school, um, originally from Rhode Island. And, um, he was great, had played college basketball and he and I both started, um, in our first year together, um, as assistant coaches. And we also had, um, a gentleman who, who had been around Vermont Academy was local and just a big kind of fan of the, and supporter of the, the school and the program and had done a lot in the community. And he was also helping us out. Um, and he has been kind of a staple in the program. Uh, so, you know, we had, we had a great staff coach Pope, Alex Pope was our head coach. And, um, and then my second year was uh, actually a year I started to get more responsibilities at the school in terms of teaching and, and other things in the classroom. And then um, just coincided with uh, our, um, uh, assistant coach uh, leaving to to take another position at another school and so it was just me and I was the only assistant coach and again just an incredible experience an opportunity for me to um, you know take over a lot more responsibility and uh, you know have a have a big say in kind of what we did in a variety of areas um, and just have the opportunity to be a great resource for for our players um, that were on campus um, and and so you know, I just enjoyed that experience. It, it was, again, kind of somewhat similar to when I was at Edgewood, where it was just kind of me um, as the main guy. Now it was kind of doing that over again now at the prep school level around high school kids. You know, you coached 13 student athletes who went on to play Division One basketball. You had a McDonald's All-American, a, a first-team All-ACC selection. With those two in, uh, especially, what made them so successful after Vermont Academy? Well, you know, I, I think that you got to be talented, obviously, like 
and those kids were extremely talented. The types of kids that we're bringing into Vermont Academy uh, during the time that I was there um, were, were not only extremely talented, but they were coming because they wanted to continue improving on their game. And so you got to have that mentality um, and that mindset before you even step through the door or else, you know, you're not going to have success. And so we were very lucky to have guys like uh, Simi and Jordan and uh, Marcus and Christian and Tyler and Symir and a bunch of players, Thornton. Like we had guys, like you mentioned, a ton of division one players at every level. We also had guys go D2, D3, but for those two guys in particular, I mean, you could tell at an early age, even before they came to us, that those kids were going to be special. And I think that they just continued to put that work in. They, they went on to go to great schools where they were surrounded by great coaches that were, you know, willing to help them continue to pursue their goals. And, um, you know, just like with anything, if you put enough time and, and energy into it and, and your focus, um, you're, you're going to see results. And so I think both of those guys um, saw those results. And, you know, Simi is, is now having an opportunity to live out his dream and play professionally. Um, and, and Jordan is, is also doing it you know, having that opportunity as well. And it was just heard his name called on draft night this, you know, past couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, I think it's whatever your journey is, whether you're a highly touted five-star player or you're a no-star player, you know, there's no, there's no uh, blueprint for, for how do you get to where you want to be. It, it starts with you. And so I think for those guys, um, they, they had talent, they had size, they had skill, athleticism, great coaching. Um, but we had kids that I think are, are coming into their college experience, maybe not the same name recognition that those guys had, but they're having great careers too. And ultimately that's really what it's about is, is having success at the next level, no matter uh, what level that is. You know, we both coached the kid, Trevor Brink. I coached him at Catholic for a year. You coached him at VA. What was he like as a high school player? Trevor was awesome, man. Trevor was, he was one of the few kids that we had um, who was actually local from Vermont. Um, you know, Vermont Academy, we attracted kids from all over the country and even internationally. And Trevor was kind of a, the local hometown guy. And so he was putting in a ton of work. He was in the gym every day, um, you know, and, and was getting the chance to compete against other division one level players. And, and I think that that really helped his game. It helped his work ethic, um, you know, because, again, like not everybody's going to make it to the NBA. Not everybody's going to get a scholarship to play D1 basketball. And, you know, I think as much as he would have wanted to, to pursue that every single day, he was getting an opportunity to prove it. And some days in practice, he would be, you know, the best player in the gym and other days he would be the worst. And, and, you know, you just got to keep working. And, and then I think that's the mentality that he had is he just wanted to continue working on his game and getting shots up on the side and, really just not letting anybody tell him what he could or couldn't do. Um, just understanding that he was only going to be as good as the work that he put in. And, and he was definitely the type of kid who was, you know, willing to, to put that time into his game. And, and I think that um, that's the type of guy that you want to coach. I absolutely loved coaching Trevor. We, we both have the same uh, unique sense of humor and, uh, you know, I always appreciated his work yeah. ethic. I know he's going to be really successful uh, after college. Agreed. You know, the last two years you were an assistant coach at Windward Academy, or I'm sorry, Windward School in Los Angeles, California. How different was living on the West Coast than, than the previous places that you had lived? Well, 
you know, having been in Boston and Vermont and Wisconsin, I don't think uh, I ever got to go through a winter without having to bundle up and shovel, you know, a foot of snow. And so that was a great, great benefit of living in the West Coast is uh, getting to go through the winter time with warm weather and um, sunshine. And, and that was really a, a big change just from a environment standpoint um but you know being being on the west coast los angeles especially southern california um the basketball scene is is incredible it's incredible it's year-round it's grassroots it's um it's high school it's um you know professional college i mean there's some of the best players in the world i mean i don't think it's a coincidence that uh the same time that i was moving to la uh, a man by the name of LeBron James was also moving to LA. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but something about that place, man, it just attracted all the talent. <laughs> and uh, in, in all seriousness, though, like I loved my time in LA. Um, I got to be extremely lucky again to to get involved with some incredible people, to be at Windward um, with with an amazing head coach and Colin Foff and um, an amazing assistant coaching staff, uh, Andrew Gauthier, who just actually um, got a, a, a new job, a new position working with the San Antonio Spurs. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it was a place that's had a lot of success and um, got to work with some great players um, there at Windward and, and just the school environment was amazing. It was a, a, a little bit different than, than what I had been uh, accustomed to at Vermont Academy. It wasn't a boarding school, it was just a private day school, um, but it was also a smaller school and, um, and then, you know, in addition to, to coaching with our, with our varsity team at Windward, I was also had the opportunity to be a head coach for our eighth grade team. And so that was, um, you know, just an incredible chance for me to get some reps as a head coach and, you know, plan practices. And I really tried to approach that eighth grade team the same way I would approach, you know, coaching a college team. And, you know, I was making practice plans and, um, you know, I was putting them through drills and giving them terminology for things that, you know, I'd picked up along the way and, um, you know, really trying to get those guys ready for the next level, which for them was high school. And so uh, it, it was, it was awesome to have that continuity between being a, the middle school coach and then, you know, trying to prepare those guys for, uh, the, the high school level and, you know, got to see some of my guys from year one on my eighth grade team move up and, you know, make, make the JV team or, or the varsity team as freshmen. So that was just a, a rewarding experience for me, kind of similar to getting to see those kids that I had coached at the high school level go on to play in college. And, um, you know, just, just again, being in a place like Los Angeles, there's so, so many opportunities to, to get involved in the game of basketball as a coach. Um, and, tons of events going on all the time and just a really uh it was a really really positive experience for me um in my time yeah there. i could definitely see lebron james wanting to follow you over there um you know he's definitely <laughs> kind of got that reputation so yeah no i'm with you on that coach you know the team goes 53 and 15 while you're on staff uh really really high success um you know like you said also coaching that that eighth grade team what what did you learn about yourself as a head coach and do you think that made you a better assistant coach hundred hundred thousand percent yeah no question um you know i i learned i learned that just like with with almost anything dave that that we do as coaches or as players like you got to get experience you got to get reps you got to learn what works what doesn't work you got to you got to 
put yourself in a situation. I mean, I could watch thousands of hours of film and watch coaching clinics and go to the final four and all this stuff. But until I'm actually in that situation, late, late game, you know, down two, and I got to decide, am I, you know, am I trying to get to the bucket to tie it up or am I going for the win? You know, until you're in that situation, you, you really can't say, you know, what you're going to do. And, and I think I learned, um, you know, probably more than anything, just where I need to continue growing as a coach, um, and, and as a leader and as a role model and, you know, not, uh, not getting down on myself or on my players when we make a mistake and just learning from it. Um, and I think that a lot of that stuff is what I brought with me, um, in my experiences to, uh, the next level and working with the, the high school guys. I think the other thing that was, you know, a great learning experience for me was like, how do I go from winning or losing a game, let's say, you know, at two thirty or three with my middle school team and then going right into practice with varsity later that day, you know, or a game with varsity later that day. And like, how do I compartmentalize? How do I detach myself from the emotions of what had just happened to, you know, what, what I was going to be doing next with this next group, a completely different group that really didn't know or necessarily care what had happened to me in that, in that last game. And I think that's what we tell our players all the time, having that next play, that next shot mentality. Well, you know, that, that's what I was living through. And I was learning how to really do that. Like, could I sit on the bench or be at a practice and not still think about what, you know, mistakes I had made or things I could have done better in that previous game or, you know, different things like that. So there were so many lessons um, and, and I was extremely grateful for um, the the athletic staff and, and coach Foff at Windward for giving me that opportunity to get that experience because, you know, as a young coach, there's, there's not many opportunities that we get to um, be a head coach and, and make all the calls and, and, you know, put our culture or our offense or our defense um into what we want to do um and so just to get that experience to learn okay here's here's what works here's what doesn't here's what i'm good at here's what i need to continue improving at um there is no no doubt in my mind that that directly correlated and translated to um a lot of lessons that i learned that that translated to helping me have more success as an assistant with our uh varsity team you know i know you were also teaching middle school pe any stinky kids you had to buy deodorant for back then (laughs) uh i wasn't making enough money to purchase any deodorant for anybody so they that was on them if they wanted to get it uh i i know that kids can be pretty stinky so uh i I wasn't i wasn't going out and breaking my bank to get them any deodorant that's for sure um but no again just in all seriousness loved working with the kids um just loved being around them in in a variety of areas getting to be on campus whether that was on the fields, on the court, um, in the classroom as a sub, uh, just seeing them in, in the, in the dining hall or the pavilion, like it was just really cool. And, and, um, you know, kids are funny, man. They, they, they listen to different music than you. They, they watch different shows. They, you know, they watch, uh, kids, other people playing video games. Uh, like I don't never understand how people like to watch other people play video games. I don't think that'll never, uh, click with me but just really it's funny man just to see that the way they interact with each other some of them are still you know very awkward and seeing the way that the girls are talking to the boys and vice versa and trying to put myself back in that shoe you know back in those shoes when I was that age seventh eighth grade like was I really that awkward or was I that goofy or you know trying to see which of these kids I thought I would have been and it was just a lot of fun I loved it you know you also worked with West Coast Elite what was your experience with them like 
on the grassroots scene? Well, you know, I had uh, gotten an opportunity to um, work on the Under Armour circuit um, for the past couple of years prior to my time in L.A. I was uh, working as a court monitor for, for all of our UAA weekends. So I would travel around the country and um, had a really incredible opportunity to, to work with Under Armour on, on the circuit. And so I got to familiarize myself with West Coast Elite along with a lot of the other programs and some of the great players they had um, at the time. And so I had, you know, been familiar with them from a, a grassroots perspective in terms of the, the club ball, but I had no idea until I got to LA and started really working with the organization as a whole, just about what they did in terms of all the events that they run, tournaments, showcases, um, you know, uh, all-star camps, uh, youth, youth events, girls events, like, it was really incredible the um, the reach that that West Coast Elite had, and it, and it wasn't just in Southern California. They were down, um, you know. I used I used to like to say we we're everywhere from San Diego to Sacramento and everywhere in between. I mean, they had programs in NorCal, they had programs in the Valley, programs down, like I said, in San Diego. Um, we were running events across the West Coast. Um, we were in in Colorado and Utah and Arizona, um, Nevada, like. Just, just the reach that that I was able to get working with uh, a, a organization like West Coast Elite, I never would have gotten that if I had just been working at Windward. Um, and you know, just learning from a business perspective, you know, how to run events, um, you know, how to um, kind of connect with other club programs um, and coaches throughout the state of California and beyond. Like the network that I was able to get through my affiliation to West Coast Elite and the experiences that I was able to um, kind of accumulate through my time spent with them. And um, it, it was just, it was incredible. And, um, you know, they're, they're continuing to grow and evolve and expand uh, even since, you know, the short time that I've, that I've been back on the East Coast. But I got to see firsthand how much they grew in the two years that I was working there and continue to grow. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a company and, and really it's a family that I'm always going to be a part of. And, um, you know, Ryan Silver uh, and, and the, the crew of, of extremely dedicated and committed people that he has working for him in a variety of areas with West Coast Elite are, are just a, a joy to work with and, and to be around and, and um, you know, have a lot of great memories with those people. You know, like you mentioned uh, on the start of the, the episode, you know, you joined the Yale staff in September how did that job come about? Well, uh, it, it's something that I had always really wanted to do, Dave. Like I, I was really hoping to, um, I was hoping to be in college basketball, you know, even before I got to Vermont Academy, I had, you know, interviewed and kind of went out for a lot of different support staff roles, ops jobs, videos jobs, you know, through really through the entirety of the four years that I was working at the high school and grassroots level. Um, and just had never been been hired. You know, there was other more qualified people for the positions or people with more experience or different relationships than I had. And um, so, you know, the, the several interviews that I had, I had never gotten the position, but was continuing again, similar to back when I was at Wisconsin, I wasn't going to let somebody tell me no and, and shape the way that um, I wanted to be doing what I do in this game of basketball and coaching. And so continued to go out for different jobs. And, um, you know, I had in uh, kind of an inside uh, deal where uh, the, the current 
director of ops at Yale had basically told me that he was going to be um, leaving and, and starting his own business. And, um, you know, because of the relationship that he and I had formed over the past several years, even before he had gotten to Yale and before I had gotten to the West Coast, um, you know, we had stayed in touch and become friendly. And he basically said, hey, you know, if I step away, I would like to recommend to Coach Jones that that he look at you as a person to to fill my spot. And would you be interested? And I, you know, I told him, of course, like, that would be a dream of mine. I'd always wanted to work at the Ivy League. Um, you know, I, I had spent a lot of time, whether I was at prep school or in West Coast Elite with a lot of our high academic um, camps and, and working in that kind of sphere. And so um, I thought it would be a perfect transition for me. And, you know, just a place like Yale with all the success that they have had um, under Coach Jones and actually had had an opportunity to see um, us play when they came out to Cali and played against Cal State Northridge my first year when I was in LA and got a chance to watch them practice, got to see, got to see them shoot around. And then I actually went to the game and um, it was a great overtime win. Um, and, and I just remembered getting a chance to connect with them and, you know, the, the staff recruits the West Coast. And so I got a chance to invite one of our uh, assistants or our, our associate head coach, Matt Kingsley, who recruits the West Coast a lot, um, you know, invited him to Windward to come watch some of our players and tried to help him, you know, connect with some kids from West Coast Elite and other kids in the area and, you know, just started to build those relationships, man. That's really what it comes down to. And um, again, just extremely lucky and thankful to have supported myself and surrounded myself with great people. I, you know, I'll keep coming back to that. Uh, um, you know, the, the people that, I've gotten a chance to be around and work for um, those, those people are, are advocates for me every single day and will be advocates for me for the rest of my life. And um, you know, can't, can't thank those people enough. So I just had enough great people reach out and um, give me that opportunity to get my foot in the door. And then from there, um, you know, just started kind of connecting with the coaching staff and, and doing everything I could to, to convince them that I was the best person for the job. You know, a couple months after getting hired, the Ivy League made the decision to cancel winter, winter sports. How devastating was that, especially since the Ivy League only lets kids play for four seasons? Yeah, you know, it was it was tough. Um, I think the the thing with with all of this stuff with the pandemic and and um, you know everything that's been going on in our country is it's. I've been really trying my best to keep everything in perspective and to try to keep the people that are around me having a similar perspective. And it's just that, you know, at the end of the day, as much as we love coaching basketball and, and um, being around the game, like there's just so much going on in our country right now that we need to work, work through that, you know, basketball is almost a distraction from what's really going on. And, so I think while while we were all, you know, preparing for a season and hoping that we would play, we also kind of saw what was going on in our country and, um, you know, all the the despair and, and the hurt that was that was happening both as a result of, you know, the pandemic and, and other things that were going on um, just kind of socially like that it was going to be tough for us to have a season and the way that the last year ended with the Ivy League kind of being on the forefront pioneers of saying, hey, we're not going to we're not going to do this because it's not safe for our student athletes and for others. And then, you know, the rest of the, the NCAA and college basketball kind of followed suit with canceling their tournaments and ultimately the NCAA tournament. I think 
the Ivy League is going to continue to be on the forefront um, uh, of those decisions. And, and so our, our coaching staff um, and our players, uh, to some extent, I think, you know, we're, we're starting to prepare themselves to hear that the news. But, um, you know, ultimately, when the day came and they told us that the season was going to be canceled, it was definitely hard. And it, it was uh, the initial reaction and then the, okay, well, well what do we do now? What's next? Um, and, and I think it continues in some regards to get easier as we work through it and, and um, realize that, you know, there, there's no going back and it's more just how can we continue to stay active and engaged with our, with our student athletes and how can we continue to grow and evolve as, as people and as coaches. And um, again, keeping everything in perspective, very lucky that we're, we're, we're happy and healthy and, and trying to think about those who are not as, as lucky as we are to, to have gone through some, some um, turmoil through all of this. But I, again, I think at the end of the day, Dave, it's, it's, um, it, it's also hard too, because we got young people that love the game. They put in a lot of time and, and effort towards being the best and getting to defend our, our back-to-back Ivy league titles. And, you know, we're also now sitting here in, in December watching all these other teams play, even teams in our backyard um, that are, that are getting a chance to compete. And so it, it, it's tough, no doubt, but again, just trying to keep everything in perspective, trying to be grateful for what we do have um, and trying to find ways to continue to, to grow every day that we can. That's a, that's a great perspective coach. You know, we've come to the segment I call start bench cut. I give you three things. You start one, bench one, and cut one. Okay. Tough decisions, but I think I'll get through it. Uh, Nike, (laughs) Adidas, Under Armour. All right. Well, definitely starting Under Armour. Got to start Under Armour. Um, I would say... Bench Nike and cut Adidas. Okay. Uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. Oh, man. You're killing me. Um, this is tough. Now, is this as a, a basketball guy or a Celtics guy, or can I do whatever I want? Coach, you're the star. All right, great. Well, I'm going as a Celtics fan right now, so I'm going to have to go start Paul Pierce because he's – my favorite player of all time and maybe one of the best Celtics of all time. I'm going to bench KG because even on the bench, KG is going to be electric and uh, love having KG around. Could never get rid of KG. One of my favorites also. And I guess I have to cut Ray Ray. I'd really hate to do that. Um, Prolific shooter um, and big time, big time. Again, one of the goats, but if it's down to those three, I got, I got to start the truth and I got to, uh, Keep ticket on the bench. In and out, Chick Fil A, Five Guys. Wow. In and out, Chick Fil A, Five Guys. Uh, I'm gonna have to ask everybody on the West Coast to put their earmuffs on because I'm starting Five Guys and putting Chick Fil A on the bench, and I'm cutting In and Out. I'm not just not really, never really got that deep into the In and Out vibe. I, I mean, it's good. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, and I may never be allowed back in, in Southern California after this, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm all over five guys, uh, burgers and fries and definitely Chick-fil-A. Um, you know, if, it, if it's a Sunday, this is a different conversation, but let's say, you know, six days of the week, I'll, I'll keep Chick-fil-A on the bench 
that's fair. Uh, Glory Road, Coach Carter, Hoosiers. Wow. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start Coach Carter. I'm gonna bench Hoosiers, and I'm gonna cut Glory Road. Okay, last one. Drake, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. Wow. I thought this was gonna I thought this was gonna be fun. This is becoming like stressful now. Drake, Kendrick Lamar, or J. Cole. Wow. Um man. I mean it all right, let's go let's start J. Cole. Because he can also hoop too. So if we're talking like basketball or rapping, like I'm gonna start him. Um, I'm gonna and I'm gonna have to make an exception here, and I'm gonna put Drake and Kendrick on the bench. Uh, I can't cut. I can't. I can't get away with cutting either of those two guys um, and live to tell about it. So I'm gonna start J Cole, and the other two guys are gonna have to fight it I out on the bench. I can respect that, Coach. Who are three guests I should have on the podcast? Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I I would say like just in general, without naming specific names, like I think it would be really cool to have people at different levels of the game. So like having one professional coach, whether that's international, NBA, G League, something like that. One co- collegiate coach, again, Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, JUCO. Um, and then one high school, prep school, private school level coach. Um, there's so many great people to have on, and I know you've already had a ton of great guests on. Um, so I, I just, I, I think it would be really cool to have somebody with a different perspective and, and uh, you know, on, on both sides of the game too, uh, on the men's side and on the women's side too, I think both would give a great perspective. Okay. Hey, you've sprinkled it in throughout the interview, but what's your advice for young coaches trying to get into the business or work their way up the ladder? Well, I I think there's a couple things. I mean, the one, the one thing that I kind of kept coming back to and I'll continue to go to is just, you got to surround yourself with great people and the right people and people that are going to support you um, in a variety of ways and people that are also going to challenge you and push you in a variety of ways to be at your best and to help you grow and help you learn. Um, not only about basketball, but just about life in general. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't be where, where I am without supporting myself around uh, some great people. So that, that would be one piece of advice. Um, so, you know, under that same umbrella, having some mentors, having some people outside of basketball as well that, that you can really rely on um, to, to kind of pick their brain about different things, that, that would be one piece of advice. Um, the other piece of advice I would say is um, – be be willing to get out of your comfort zone be willing to try something new be willing to go somewhere uh strange that you've never been before and you never expected to be because i think in that in that time and in that journey um in those unusual and and unfamiliar places you learn so much about yourself um and and that's certainly what i did move in different parts of the country so um being being comfortable being uncomfortable i think a lot of people say that um and then the last thing, this is, I think, um, 
I'm trying, I don't remember the first person that I heard. I know it's a Teddy Roosevelt quote. Um, I can't remember the first coach that I heard say it, but uh, one, one quote that I've always kind of loved is, is that um, the quote that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and I've just uh, really embraced that philosophy because, you know, as a young coach, there's so much that you're going to have to learn about the game of basketball um, to get to the position where you can, you know, be a head coach one day or whatever your aspirations are in the game. But you can always show the players, the staff, um, the, the, the janitors, the, uh, you know, the bus, the bus drivers, you can always show people you care. You can always let them know how much, uh, you care about them, whether that's striking up a conversation, whether that's giving them support, whether that's challenging them, um, to be better versions of themselves. Uh, I think that that shows itself, um, before anything else does. And, and I think if you can, as a young person, show the people that you're around every day that you care about them um, in, in whatever way that that is for you. I think that that's ultimately what's going to lead to your having success and continuing to um, move up in, in the coaching ranks. So that would be my kind of third piece of advice um, for, for young coaches. Just show people every day how much you care about them, how much you care about the game. Um, and, and great things are going to happen. Coach, if, if listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Social media, email, what have you? Yeah, um, would love that. I'm always happy to um, kind of share with, with other young people and, and other coaches and stuff. So um, feel free. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Coach Elkin, E-L-K-I-N uh, is my last name. Um, you can send me an email if you'd like. My email is, uh, Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W period Elkin, E-L-K-I-N at Yale.edu. That's my, uh, Yale email. Um, and I'm also on Instagram. Uh, it's at DJ Elkin, uh, one, two, three. And that's uh, an old nickname of mine. That's a story for another podcast. Uh, but, uh, DJ Elkin, one, two, three, that's my Instagram so uh, hit me up on uh, social media, send me an email. Um, would love to connect with anybody um, at any Next time. Next time I see you on the recruiting trails or at a, a Final Four, we're definitely going to have to talk about DJ Elkin. <laughs> we, we can get into that for sure. I, I wouldn't mind sharing Coach, I appreciate story. you taking time to you know hop on the podcast. I know you got a lot of stuff going on right now, um, which I'm looking forward to participating in. Uh, in, in the coming week or so, but uh, really appreciate uh, the time and, and you just being such a good guy, man. I, I admire you from afar and, and I, I really do wish you guys nothing but the best. Definitely, man. I, I really, really appreciate you uh, reaching out to me and inviting me to, to be a part of this. Um, you know, means, means the world to me to, to get to share my story and to hopefully, even if it can just help one person, you know, that's, that's a win for me, but I'm just really grateful for you, man, and always staying in touch um, and, you know, really looking forward to uh, continuing to keep in touch with you. And if there's anything I can do to help you or or anybody else that's listening, I'm always, always available. So um, appreciate you, man, and and hope everybody out there is staying safe um, and being well and and looking forward to catching up. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Take care, Dave. You were awesome. You're a freaking rock star, dude. (laughs) Thanks, man. Appreciate you. I sometimes, sometimes I, uh, I feel like I can be rambling on, so I try to tone it back, but I guess it's, I guess I'm a guest on a podcast, so maybe (laughs) I'm supposed to talk. I don't know. That's, that's how I feel, man. It's like, 
people have asked me questions from time to time. I'm just like. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.